0: This is my house. Answer please.
1: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. It's
0: like eating a spoonful of Drano. Sure, it'll clean you out. But it'll leave you hollow inside. Final
1: checkpoint. Answer this question. What is the most unattractive male first name
0: in the English language? Keith. And welcome to the January 16, 2019 edition of It's Keith Grief Show. I, of course, Keith Grief. This is sportsfans.com. We've got a great podcast lined up for today. After my opening rant, Jabari... Davis from Hoop Magazine will be joining me to talk some Los Angeles Lakers. But first, I want to talk about, and it's taken me a long time to get up to this point where I can talk about it, but I want to talk about the Chicago Bears and how their season ended and whatever, what happened in the wake of it and how and why I feel good going forward. The end of the Chicago Bears season was, of course, painful. Painful because it came down to a missed kick. Even more painful because no one who has followed the Bears is surprised kicker Cody Parkey missed at Soldier Field again. I know it was technically blocked, but it wasn't blocked by much, and it's not like the protection gave way, so that lack of height on that kick is on Parkey. I don't want to get carried away here, but then you have this baby-faced, unassuming Parkey going on the Today Show. I didn't like it when it happened, for the reasons many have already stated. He was soaking up the spotlight in light of failing his teammates. Teammates that had his back in the immediate moments after the double doink. In case you were wondering, that's when it would have been the most difficult for anyone to be sympathetic. You and me in that situation would be challenged to not even bat an eye and still support Cody Parkey. But to a man, they came out in support of Parky, saying all the things that good teams say. It wasn't just one play, we're in this together, that's my guy. All the good stuff we want to believe team sports is about. And there was one opinion that couldn't be heard in head coach Matt Nagy's, And we didn't hear it because... He was trying to replace a beloved defensive coordinator that has left quite the example to follow to go coach the Denver Broncos. However, watching the end of season press conference with Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace, that opinion was clearly on display. And is yet another reason why I love Matt Nagy. You see... In an era of multi-million dollar egos and superstardom and all the glitz and glamour, it would be easy to just ignore Parky's decisions. In the wake of feeling like the butt of future bears jokes for years, the want to get national attem- attention in an attempt to shirk that punch to your gut is somewhat natural, I suppose, to a degree. But Parky went against that uh, feeling of camaraderie, of of, of Team teammate ship. Let me get word up and made it about him anyway. But what I loved about Nagy's response in the press conference was that he didn't mince words. He just came right out and said he didn't feel like it was it was a we thing as much as it was a me thing. That they've kind of stressed we over me. throughout the season. And he's exactly right. And he said it in exactly the same way he has answered every question this season to the point without bombast or hyperbole or spin, no need to be over the top with, with any of it. Uh, he, He didn't throw anybody under the bus. Cody's, Cody Parkey's decisions and actions are Cody Parkey's decisions and actions, and if he didn't think anybody was going to comment on them or hold him accountable for it, he's grossly mistaken. With one concise answer, it was clear, it was made clear to everyone that the Bears are moving on from Cody Parkey, even though he's guaranteed money this season. I saw one uh, tweet that if the Bears were to, you know, Fulfill the dream situation and cut Cody Parkey and re-sign Robbie Gold. They'd have similar money allocated to the kicker position than they have to Akeem Hicks. Which sounds crazy when you talk about positional value. But it's clear that the signs are pointing to Cody Parkey not being someone you want in that locker room and you know even though he's got money due this season even though they th- they thought highly enough of him last season to give him a four-year deal they're moving on and that my friends is accountability that is realizing that all the symptoms all of the didn't want to practice kicking in Soldier Field because of traffic traffic the man is a uh, professional athlete getting paid to do a single job now to say that to just say that he's a professional athlete and he's a kicker and this is what he does is totally ignoring the fact that he's a professional kicker in chicago illinois you know the windy city and a stadium that is known for swirling winds and being a tough place to kick cody parkey didn't feel the need to go out of his way to practice at Soldier Field until he hit the uprights four times in one game. And even that, after he had uh, apparently figured it out, it's ironic, he didn't want to brave the traffic. Are you kidding me? Hire a damn Uber! Don't want to deal with traffic. It's a joke. Realizing that all those symptoms are adding up to a clear picture of someone who isn't buying in to what you're trying to do as a head coach when every other single player on that roster is. The kicker is the trouble one. And you know every other single player on that roster is because of how they came out in support of Cody Parkey. It would have been easy to just dodge those questions in the heat of the moment. To not show support. We could have easily blamed it on the the pain of the loss, the disappointment, the immediate disappointment. But they didn't. They came out and supported him. And, and what did he do? He sold out everybody on that roster to try to save his reputation. It wasn't about losing the game. It was about what this means for Cody Parkey going forward. Because he clearly knows he's out of a job. The Bears are back. And not just with the on field results. After decades of wonkiness in the leadership ranks and like there have been some just absolute misfires Since George Hallis passed away, and that was in the '80s. That's how long the dysfunction has gone on. After decades of chaos, the Bears are running things the right way, And that makes me more proud to be a fan of the Chicago Bears more than any playoff win could. Now about that decision to cut Robbie Gold, Well we'll save that for another day. The Bears, my friends, are back, and it's all due to Matt Nagy and his leadership. And now it's time for the It's Keith Grieve Show Guest of the Week. And joining me this week, a very special guest, I haven't talked to him in quite some time, and quite frankly, that's a giant failure on my part, Jabari Ali Davis, host of Hoop Mag's Hot Takes and Shot Fakes weekly podcast, also a contributing writer over there at Hoop Magazine. Jabari, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me, definitely appreciate it.
0: Well, and, you know, I'm I'm kind of selfish when I pick my guests because we talk about what I want to talk about, and what I want to talk about is the Lakers because I've always been – I bleed purple and gold. And, and you know, it's – I said in the uh, – in my last podcast, my rant was about the Lakers and about Laker fans yeah. chanting at Paul George that we don't need you. <laughs>
1: <And> I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought that was a little extreme for my taste. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean it's expected, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're an organization that has had the type of success um, and enjoyed, you know, the, the the level of dominance that you know they once uh, enjoyed for you know extended period of time. You'd like to think that you don't, you know, you're above that, but at the end of the day, you know, fans are going to be fans. Um, these fans, in particular, you know that they've they've been enduring some, you know, just some of the lowest times or the lowest time in franchise history. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe they just felt a little bit slighted. But I, like you, I you know, I, I looked at it and said, like, ah, come on, guys.
0: <laughs> and you know, and I like the core that they have going. I, I think it's it's a good starting point. I never expected LeBron to sign on for this. Never in a million years. With with his age and everything, I thought for sure he'd be looking for rings, but are they better or worse than you thought they would be at this point? I mean, you know, obviously, obviously he's hurt, but.
1: Well, yeah, no, no, like I, I, that's that's a that's an interesting question because uh, there's two answers, and I'm not straddling, but there really are two answers. When LeBron's in the lineup, they're better than I can you know than I considered them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they were they were, if I'm not mistaken, in the fourth seed and 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 you know a game maybe a game and a half out of first when he was in the lineup, and now they see themselves in the eighth or ninth, in uh, you know in, in some serious da- in, in some serious danger. Um, uh, the young core, you know, in itself. I still think they have a you know a ton of potential. Um, like you, I, I see the guys and I and I, I look at, I look at guys that a few years from now they might be something very very special. But also like you, I didn't anticipate LeBron signing up for hey a couple years from now when he's already you know just turned thirty four, which leads me to believe and, and, and it's it's what I believed once they did sign on the dotted line that ultimately these guys are playing for their next you know you know for wherever their next you know, you know uh, locations will be. It's just going to be a matter of time of how long he's going to be out and whether that's going to be this you know this season or in the in the summer.
0: Yeah, I think like, I thought for sure like I, you look at they won thirty something games last year or whatever, so I thought for yeah. sure they'd be a fifty win team like going for. But there was a run when before LeBron got hurt where mm-hmm. I, I you watched them play and you thought they could make somebody's life really miserable in the playoffs yeah Uh, you know they went into they went into golden state and they won on the road and you know say what you want about the warriors maybe they're not what we all thought they would be this year or or whatnot but you know not not that they're bad or anything like that but yeah going into to uh oracle and beating them on their turf was something that i i didn't expect to see out of this group this year anyway but now the 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 talk is all turning to where do they go from here because you know you may not be expected to win a title, but if you want to maximize LeBron while you got him and now everyone's talking about Anthony Davis, would you try to trade for him if you're magic Johnson?
1: Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm 100% all in on the Anthony Davis train. And here's the reason why, um, it, it, it I'm, I'm not breaking anything here. When you have a player that special at that size and at that age, you absolutely cannot <laughs> you, you like, I understand people being sentimental, especially, you know, you know, you see these young guys come up, you know, and really you've only had them for a year or two. But yeah, just the same, you know, you see these guys come up and, and you want to see them go through, you know. See what their career will be like moving forward, and you know, especially when you look at guys like you know D'Angelo Russell having a good year this year, Julius Randle having a good year this year, and the, and other you know other young guys that we've seen in the recent past. Uh, you know, you don't want to be the you know the team that lets go of somebody that could you know that's going to ultimately be really special. But here's the thing. All of those guys, the hope is that they one day turn into Anthony Davis. <laughs> so if you right. have the opportunity to go out and get him, I'm sorry. In my honest, in my humble opinion, you, you do what it takes to do, you know, to do just that.
0: So at all costs, or is there any of the young core that you would consider untouchable?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't consider any of them untouchable. I mean, obviously, you don't go into it saying like, "Hey, just take everybody." You know, <laughs> you you want to be able to negotiate. Uh, obviously, you know, in order to you know simply match salaries, KCP you know would likely be in that you know in that deal. Um, uh, but at uh, look, when you are competing, you know what if you're the Lakers, in my honest opinion, you're what you're competing against is not letting them wait until Boston can get, can can make their offer, right. which they make. Ultimately, you know, unless they're planning on trading Kyrie this year, ultimately this summer, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, if, if if ultimately if you're really just fighting against the the threat on the horizon, why not go ahead and you know, why not go ahead and just swing for the fences? So you would
0: pack you'd even give them both Kuzma and Ingram. Yes. Wow. Right,
1: and, and that sounds callous and I recognize that and Lakers fans get mad at me for saying these <laughs> things. It's not that you know, look. OK, so here's the thing. To both the, both conversations can be had. I think Kuzma can be special. I think Ingram is going to be special, but that doesn't mean you know, you know like uh, that doesn't mean I wouldn't trade them right now right. to get that type of special. It's not I wouldn't like, see here's me. I wouldn't have traded him for Paul George, and I like Paul George. He's he's you know he's an incredible player. He's a, you know, great two one of the better two way players that we have right now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have traded him for Jimmy Butler. I certainly wouldn't have traded him for Jimmy Butler. But if you have the opportunity to get a realistically, at worst, top four or five player in the world at 24, 25 years old, you gotta, you know, you have to go ahead and you have to go ahead and pull that trigger.
0: And that's the thing that like even slips by my radar. Just how young he still is mm-hmm. because he, he was always a one and done at uh, Kentucky. But it's just like he, he's still got a he's still developing really as a player, yes. and he's so dominant.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. We all, you know, or most of us, still think that LeBron, when healthy, is the best player in the world. And it, you know, even if you've even if you've said that he slipped, you know, past one, he, he's in that, you know, he's still in that same conver- in the conversation as as the best player in the world. That's right now at 34 years old. Well, honestly, what this injury has shown me, and and, it, and this is a guy that quite frankly, hasn't had any type of catastrophic injuries throughout yeah. the course of his, you know, throughout the course of his, you know, illustrious career. Absolutely. But at 34 years old, you st- you know, and, and you start having injuries of this nature. I'm not saying that it, you know, I'm not, look, I'll knock on wood so folks don't get upset, but I'm not saying it's going to be the Kobe Bryant, you know, you know Kobe Bryant down stretch situation. I'm not saying it's going to be the Steve Nash down stretch situation. But what it says, what it shows me is it's kind of like in Rocky IV, and I'm going to age myself here, but it's kind of like in Rocky IV. When Rocky finally made the Russian bleed and he was like, wait, it's it's not a machine. It's not a machine. He's a man. That's what this injury showed me. So it's not that I don't expect him to come back and be great moving forward. It's just that it at least showed me, hey, there's a potential that you have to at least start planning for that future earlier than we, you know, than, than many of us would have anticipated.
0: And, you know, and we don't even know when he's coming back. Exactly. They're supposed to make an announcement in a couple of days, I guess, or whatever, or, or today. Maybe I haven't seen anything on Twitter or anything about the prognosis for his injury. But I would think coming back from that there's gonna be at least two, three weeks where it's a psychological thing with him yeah. as well. Being able to explode and trust that it's not gonna you know, go back to, you know, being tweaked and whatnot. Yeah.
1: No absolutely any of us that have had tissue injuries or you know like any major injuries, whether it's a hamstring or you know a, a, a knee or a groin, I can tell you right now it can feel great you, you can wake up in the morning feel great you know you jump up, do whatever and then out of nowhere you get up quickly or you sit down the wrong way or you just sleep on it improperly or you get hit and you just never know what you know you, you really never know you know how it's going to react and the older we get, you know you know the, the less uh, predictable, our bodies become again, not to, you know, not to sell doom and gloom. Cause I think he's going to come back and be fine. I think mm-hmm. that's particularly why they're being careful with it. But I'm just saying, you you know, now we've seen that it's a possibility,
0: but now, but like you said earlier, now they, they were in the middle of the standings when he got hurt. Now they're currently tied for the eighth seed. And yep. you know, how long do you wait? You know, they can probably slip nine, 10, you know, and, and, and still make a run depending on how much longer he's out. But, you're going to get, you you got to think you're going to get itchy tricky trigger fingers if they end up being four or five games out of that last spot and we ended up, we we're talking in in middle of february beginning of march you don't want to wait too long to pull that trigger
1: yeah. I mean, well, for one, if I'm not mistaken, the trade deadline is February 7th this year. I think they moved it up. I could be wrong. Maybe, that, maybe that's when the all-star break is. And if I'm wrong, you know what, folks will crucify me. But I, I, think, I, I think I read that somewhere. So yeah, no, if they're going to make a move, it's going to be you know, you know, within the next month, month and a half. You know. But, here, but here's the thing. What do they look like along the way? Do they look like a team that's competing or do they look like the team that uh, went down 15 in the first quarter to a team that had eight, eight you know wins previously in in the Cleveland Cavaliers? Right. You know, do do, do they look like a team that, you know, the team that came out against Golden State, you know, shorthanded or they look like the team that lost at home once again to the Knicks of all, you know, of all teams, you know, just a few days ago. Uh, if you start seeing a lot of te- games like that, well for one um, the trigger finger will be, you know, might be itchy, but it might not necessarily, it might not necessarily only be on, on in terms of uh, making a deal. Look, I'm a Luke Walden guy. I'm a big fan of Luke Walden. I like him. I think, I think he was the perfect coach for last year's team. I think he can be a good coach for this squad, but at the end of the day, and and, it, and I'm not saying anything that anyone you know hasn't already said. He wasn't hired by this group. Right. They, you know, and, and like, and I'll tell you right now. I think if David Fisdale doesn't take the Knicks job, I think Luke would be in some serious trouble right now. Right. The, you know, he, he's actually fortunate that there aren't a lot of great candidates out there. Um, but yeah, uh, if if they if they're they're three and seven over the last ten, uh, they have another you know stretch like that. Like say he's out you know, you know until February or mid February or whenever, uh, and they do another three and seven stretch, and they're losing to some of these bad teams. Uh, the guy that I'm really concerned for, you know, beyond the young core, is Luke Walton.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point. When I said trigger finger, I meant like me forcing him to play before he's ready. I guess I should have clarified that
1: Oh, way. excuse me. I'm sorry. No, I just no. went off on a rant. No, uh, but, yeah, no, no, no. There's no way they, they make him play before he's ready. There's, okay. there, there's no way. Because okay. here's the thing. What that means is you wasted all of those you know, like all the games that you lost along the way, and also you're risking it being uh, being a catastrophic injury mm-hmm. as opposed to something that you just have to be concerned over.
0: All right. Well, I, absolutely. So, what do you think the ceiling is? You know, the, I'm looking at, uh, at the at the stats on Basketball Reference right now, and beside LeBron James, do you know who, off the top of your head, who's number two in PER rating on a Laker team right now? It's JaVale McGee. Javale freaking I
1: McGee. <laughs> I was actually going to say it's either it's either Javale McGee or maybe Josh Hart, but yeah, no, that that's not exactly shocking. And and, and this is the thing with this roster. We all went into the year at least with an eyebrow raised because you know it, it it was a departure from the norm of you know putting a ton of shooters around him. And you know, like, and and of course they sold it. And by they, I mean you know uh, Magic Johnson and Rob Pelinka and the Lakers front office. They sold it as hey, we want to put playmakers around him. We don't want him to have to do you know, carry so much of the load carry so much of the burden and then they went out and did that but then at the end of the day when, you know, when the games really started rolling he still was you know carrying a lot of the load um mm-hmm. uh when he's not in there I, I i don't know what the ceiling is i don't know what you know, we can really expect because really you know he's you know, you know he's the center of this of this universe so without him in there it, it's, it's really difficult to say um if he comes back and let's just say, you know, fingers crossed, you know, it comes back, say, the first week in February or, you know, or in a week or a week from now or wherever the case may be. And he's at least 80 percent of himself for the first couple weeks as he's like slowly working himself in. I think they can still get themselves into a, a reasonable playoff position anywhere from, like, say, the four or five or six. I, th- I think that is a realistic you know, expectation. But again, you just never know you don't know how long it's going to take him and and also at the same time you have to hope that everybody else stays relatively healthy along the way
0: absolutely i, I think the the fourth seed the the home court advantage for the first round would probably be the ceiling for me yeah. and but just making the playoffs is huge for that franchise um you can't miss the playoffs this year no no you know you know who i'd like to see a bigger a bigger leap forward from and he's already kind of shown it in flashes is uh, zubats Vika zubats you
1: you know okay so you know that that final stretch of his rookie year Made me uh, so much of a zoo believer that when he came into the next season out of shape and admittedly out of shape uh, because he presumed that he was going to get the starting position somehow <laughs> as, yeah, a does player, as a second year player, I was disheartened and I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe the kid just doesn't have it. Uh, you know, he's, he had a couple bright spots down the stretch last year, but really, in, you know, over this last, you know, say ten to fifteen games, he's shown exactly what we thought. You know, he could be. He's in great shape. He's shown the soft hands. He's got the soft touch around the basket. He's also a shot. Blocker, at least a, you know a semi rim protector on the other end. He's a guy that's at least going to go up and challenge. So no, no uh, Zubac. At the very least, you know what he's shown. The Lakers in in a, in, a, in a league where more often than not, or at least more often than you know in previous times, you know teams have maybe one traditional center. The Lakers have three traditional centers, <laughs> and, and all three can you know can contribute in, in their own way.
0: Yeah, it's, it was uh, McGee has been a pleasant surprise for me. I wasn't sure what to expect from him. Um, and then grabbing Chandler. I mean, that's just – even nothing more than just a, an, an older head on the bench. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. With that roster, it was just a great – it was a great move in my opinion. All right, one final question before I go, and it's the most controversial question I could think of because I like. Oh. I don't want to give you all softballs tonight.
1: No worries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last three years of the Kobe Bryant era, good or bad for the franchise?
1: Good for the franchise, bad for his, you know, end of end of career uh, narrative, uh-huh. uh, because what it did was. It it didn't tarnish anything because like if you honestly if you were around to see all of the great years of Kobe Bryant you you know your your memory is fine you're good and you look at that and you say well come on he was hurt what it did was for the younger generation that maybe only saw like you know 2011 and on where they say they saw you know okay he was pretty good he was you know he's still competitive still you know still that guy for a few years but then really petered off but you know yeah for ultimately for the organization um, it, it definitely slowed down the rebuild but it' you know but it ultimately put them in a position to where they totally bottomed out so uh whether they lucked into that or you know it was, it was a combination of luck as well as you know like an actual strategy it ended up
0: working up all right Jabari Davis is Jabari Ali Davis sorry is the name' He's the host of the uh, hop takes and shot fakes podcast from hoop magazine follow him on Twitter at Jabari Davis NBA uh, anywhere else they can find your stuff?
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably the safest place. And shout out to my guy, Josh Everly, my, my co-host on that show.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me.